Welcome to the Da Vinci Hour, a podcast series that interviews individuals across the field of medicine to help provide an inside look into their experiences and provide insight on how to navigate the journey of becoming a physician. My name is Dr. Maxwell Cooper, and I will be your host. This podcast is brought to you by Da Vinci Academy, a medical education company that provides online video courses, outline format books, and clinical case videos for students studying the medical basic sciences. You can check out all that Da Vinci Academy has to offer at www.dbiacademy.com. In this episode, we'll be discussing the process of how to choose your medical specialty as a medical student. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode three now of the Da Vinci Hour, brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. I'm happy to bring this podcast back to you again. We've got a special guest with us this week, longtime friend and colleague of mine, Dr. Harry Awasu Dapa. And uh, Harry and I go way back. We've been friends since college, and then we, I followed him to at Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, and then I followed him to uh, University of Toledo for uh, medical school. And then uh, he just recently completed his uh, internal medicine residency at Metro Health Medical Center, which is an affiliate of, of Case Western School of Medicine in Cleveland, Ohio. And then he's currently a uh, attending physician in the hospital's medicine group at Cleveland Clinic in Cleveland, Ohio. And one residency was just not enough for Harry. So he's going back and he is doing an anesthesiology residency at Brown University uh, in Providence, Rhode Island, coming up this July. So he'll jump right back into the resident life. And I think for this, the main topic for this uh, interview and podcast will be uh, what specialty? So, you know, frequently, I'm sure you had this experience as well, Harry, when you were a medicine resident, you'll have it again when you're... uh, and anesthesia residents, you know, medical students often wonder, you know, how do I choose what to go into? When should I start thinking about it? What kind of, what should I look for? What should I use to help me out? And so I thought Harry, given his, his, his uh, path to anesthesia would be an interesting thing to plug, to uh, dive into. And then my own experience going into radiology. And uh, I think we'll, we can kind of put our heads together and hopefully provide something useful for people out there. So uh, without further ado, I, Harry, how you doing, man? You, you, uh, off today off no shifts today <laughs> i'm off tonight um so uh max i just want to um you know give you a special thank you for having me on the, the da vinci hour i think this is an awesome resource and uh I, I really wish looking back when i was um you know deciding on a specialty and you know i was back in medical school i wish i had a resource like this so uh you know, I, I'd like to congratulate you for uh, putting out such an awesome resource for medical students and residents. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you. Happy to mm-hmm. have you on. Um, so mm-hmm. I guess we'll, we'll dive into some of these questions. So, you know, when we were med students at Toledo, um, I remember you telling me you were going to do internal medicine. I guess what, what made you initially want to do internal medicine? Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's funny. I actually... Uh, <laughs> When I got into medical school, I was thinking I was going to follow the footsteps of my father, who was a, an emergency medicine physician. Um, you know, it's a sweet field, very broad. Um, so I figured, you know, why not? Let me um, let me jump right into the ER. And uh, you know, so I I locked in a rotation during my third year, and I absolutely hated it. I remember you actually telling, I remember that when you, you're like, I just can't do it. You know, I have a lot of respect for my dad, but I, I just can't do it. I remember, mm-hmm. I remember that. 
That's right. That's right. You know, my dad and I are, are totally different humans, you know, we're wired differently. And, um, you know, I really wanted to like it, but the hustle and bustle was just too much for me. So, um, you know, I decided on internal medicine. And the reason I decided on internal medicine was because I wanted to do a specialty that lends itself to a healthy amount of clinical work as well as uh, procedural work. Okay. And, um, you know, I thought maybe I'd do a subspecialty of IM, uh, maybe gastroenterology or pulmonary critical care. Um, so, you know, I figured IM would give me a good foundation and then allow me to eventually catapult my my career into one of those subspecialties. Um, so that's kind of what led me into that direction. Additionally, uh, you know, I am is, is one of those specialties where you can sort of act like a detective, you know? Right. right. Uh, <laughs> you know, cause down in the ER, you know, the patients show up, they're undifferentiated. Um, they try to give it their best shot as to what they think is going on. Um, and then by the time they get to the floor, um, the chaos is a little bit more controlled. You have a second to sort of take a deep breath and figure out what's going on. And, uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, mental exercises that are done to sort of figure out what exactly is going on with the patient. And that really appealed to my, uh, my personality. So, um, you know, at the time I, I thought it was a great fit. And to be honest, I still do think it's a great fit. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. And I think, I remember because I remember you were thinking about specialties and I remember I think we even taught maybe had a similar type conversation back then when um, I feel like a lot of people go into like internal medicine or maybe even general surgery or something like that, because it's it's like you said, it's a platform to go into a lot of other subspecialties. I mean, kind of the two main factions of medicine are, you know, medicine, surgery and why not go into the mm-hmm. I guess I, I guess would you I, I guess looking back, I feel like a lot of people maybe kind of defaulted to those. Do you would, would you say that was the case to you or? Cause you were like, Oh, it's, you know, it's going to let me explore some more things or would you say that maybe played a part in it or something like or in your decision? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, uh, medical school is four years, but it flies by. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that third year is really all the time you got, uh, to sort of make a decision that ultimately affects the rest of your life and career, you know? And so, um, you know, in my experience and, you know, and I don't want to speak for other people, but I feel like a lot of other medical students oftentimes, you know, when they're sort of unsure as to what specialty to choose, they ultimately default to one of the um, larger, more broad specialties. So, yeah, I do feel like um, that was a little bit of my um, situation as well. Um, and like I said, internal medicine was, was broad enough. That, um, I really did like um, a wide variety of things. I knew I didn't want to do surgery. Right. And so, you know, it felt like the next best thing, if you will. Yeah, for sure. And, you, um, and, it, and it makes sense. You, you knew you didn't want to do ER, which was kind of a, yep. a, another kind of broad specialty, but also a different, like you said, a different speed. So, yeah, I think, I mm-hmm. think that makes sense. Um, and I think that's yeah. probably how some other people come to it. Um, mm-hmm. So I guess you kind of already answered this a little bit, but like, what did you like about internal medicine? And, and you could bring in your experience as an internal medicine resident as well and, and attending mm-hmm. for that matter. Um, and what, what, what you disliked about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, what I liked about it, like I said, was that it was, it was broad. I mean, there was a variety of pathology, 
you know, I, I took care of, uh, you know, multiple different types of patients mm -hmm. from, uh, you know, 18 year old, um, fairly healthy patient to, you know, 90 year old, uh, patients on 20 medications. Um, you know, so, uh, it was extremely, um, it came in many flavors and that really, that really appealed to me. Um, you know, and we got to see things that, uh, you know, you, you see on an everyday basis, you know, your heart failures, your COPD exacerbations, um, you know, your, your, uh, diabetic ketoacidosis, um, you know, things that we in medicine like to call, you know, uh, run of the mill, um, you know, everyday pathologies. And then you got to see your zebras, you know, sure. um, things that you don't necessarily see on a daily basis, things that, uh, you know, you only read about in, in textbooks. So, um, it was, it was extremely broad and, and, and that appealed to me. Um, as far as what I didn't like about, uh, internal medicine, you know, there wasn't that much I didn't like about it. Um, but there were a few things that sort of stuck out <laughs> and, um, you know, at the residency program that I did my training at, it was in an urban, um, area and we just had a very difficult patient population. You know, these patients um, really, uh, you know, were either underinsured or uninsured. Um, you know, they had a laundry list of medical problems. It felt like they were getting admitted and then readmitted. And, um, you know, they just weren't taking their medications, weren't really adhering to what you wanted them to do. And, uh, you know, you felt like you were sort of spinning your wheels. And, uh, and after a while, that can get a little bit exhausting. Um, you know, additionally, um, you know, like any internal medicine resident knows, there's a lot of time spent with documentation. Right. Um, you know, uh, I'm sure you're dealing with that now as a preliminary resident. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I felt like we spent a lot of our, our time in front of the computer screen, you know, and um, I, I felt like in the mornings and even uh, – during the course of the day, um, I wasn't able to spend enough time with my patients sure. and, uh, yeah, you know, and that's kind of what I went into. I am for to, uh, build a rapport with my patients and sort of, uh, see what their traject trajectory in the hospital would be. But, uh, you know, unfortunately that's just not the reality of the situation. Um, I felt like notes really, um, Took a lot out of our time. Calling consultants mm -hmm. also was a huge part of our job. Arguing with consultants was also <laughs> a huge part of our job. Um, <laughs> and at times it, it felt more like an office job rather than um, um, being right front and center in front of the patient. So, um, but uh, ultimately speaking, um, our job was very important. Um, but again, you know, every, you got to take the go with the bad. Right. Yeah. And I think, mm -hmm. I think as I feel, you know, as a, as Harry mentioned, I'm a, you know, transitional year resident at Emory and, you know, before doing radiology residency. And so I, I experienced a lot. I'm basically for all intents and purposes of medicine for the most part, medicine resident this year. And a lot of what he's, what I echo a lot of what Harry's saying, I think what was kind of surprising to me was, cause you don't necessarily pay attention to this stuff as a med student is, um, 
you really are rushed a lot of times. Like you kind of have to rush the patient through it. I don't, I don't do as much clinic as you guys, but I'm sure it, it's the same. Uh, it's the same scenario where you feel rushed when you're in the outpatient setting as well, but definitely in the inpatient, you know, you're, you're just, you know, you're in and out of the room a lot of times and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of it's spent in front of the computer. Um, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, some of it's, you know, obviously relevant, like you're, you know, do putting in orders and, you know, decision-making and mm-hmm. things like that, but also a lot of documentation, uh, which is kind of a problem mm-hmm. across medicine. Um, but sure. especially, especially internal medicine, there's, you know, there's a, the history and physical, there's the progress notes, there's the event notes, the procedure notes, mm-hmm. the discharge mm-hmm. summary. I mean, you, you know, um, and so right. it's, it's a lot. And I think, um, kind of going back to what we talk about with internal medicine, you know, I see it here with the medicine residents and I'm sure you've saw it as well as a lot of people go into it to eventually kind of use as a bridge to go into something else. Um, mm-hmm. cause being a consultant is different. Like you write your consultant note and that's it, yep. or, you know, mm-hmm. you do your procedure and you write your procedure note and that's it versus like internal medicine is like very encompassing. Like you kind of have to manage, like you were saying, not just the medicine, but like the social issues, mm-hmm you know, where's the patient going, all this stuff you don't think mm-hmm. about as a, as a uh, medical student. And, you know, some people that's their cup of tea. I think for you and me, it's not, we're mm-hmm. more of a specialist mindset. Um, if you, that's some right. people like taking care of everything. I mean, I have these attendings that have mm-hmm. been at Grady hospital, which is very similar to Metro health hospital. They've been here for mm-hmm. 20 years and they love it. And they love mm-hmm. you know, taking care of every aspect of the patient. Um, and so I think, mm-hmm. you know, that's for them, but it's, you know, not for everybody, you know, certainly. Um, so I think these are all things like, it's hard. I feel like you don't get those perspective as a med student as much. I feel like both of us got mm-hmm. those perspectives as a resident. I guess mm-hmm. my, I'll be interested what you, what you think about this. I guess my thought to med students is, is really pay attention to what the residents are doing. And, you know, obviously the, they got to keep in mind the interns, any intern, it's going to suck. Like you can't, Mm-hmm. too fixated on what the intern but i think pay attention to what the interns are doing what the residents are doing if you're with fellows pay mm-hmm. attention to what they're doing and obviously the attendings mm-hmm. as well you know everyone's paying attention to them but i think seeing how much of it is like administrative work or you know other things i don't know what your thoughts are on that but i think because it's hard to gauge the med student because you don't you're not responsible for a lot of that stuff but i feel like if you kind of just pay a little extra attention to those types of things i think that can help with making your decision Absolutely. I would uh, agree with that 100%. Um, oftentimes, as a medical student, you're, you're shielded from all the, uh, um, the, the bad aspects of, um, you know, a resident's job. And, um, you know, but if you look closely, you can get a sense as to, you know, what exactly the real and true job is. Um, you know, and like you were saying, Max, uh, back when we were medical students, uh, you know, I, I, you know, what sometimes, especially on my, on my internal medicine and surgery rotations, I knew, I knew I only had to present a patient or two. Right. So the right. objective was to see my patient, present them. And then I felt like I could wash my hands of the day. Right. right. You know, and, and most medical students fall into that trap. Um, but I would caution medical students to, you know, do more than just scratch the surface, try to figure out exactly what your role is as a resident. Um, and, and, you know, try to just have a discussion with the residents, have a discussion with the attending, ask them what they enjoy about the job, what they more importantly don't enjoy about the job. 
um, you know, because every specialty comes its comes with its uh, you know set of pros and as well as its set of cons. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it's funny, um, you know, as as medical students, because you know you're not that vital to the team, um, you sometimes just feel like you know you can get in and get out. But I feel like you you really you really do cheat yourself by. Um, you know, operating that way, uh, during your clinical years. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think even, and like what they'll let you do stuff like here, we, we let the med students do, we'll let them call consultants. We'll let them call social work. Mm -hmm. We'll let them, you know, even call families at times and things like that. I think, you know, mm -hmm. take on those, you know, types of responsibilities. I mean, not just to like look good on your evaluations, but to like See what that's mm -hmm. like having a conversation with a consultant. Maybe you like what the consultant's mm -hmm. saying. Maybe you'll call a cardiologist and you'll think, man, this cardiology stuff's really cool. Maybe I don't mm -hmm. necessarily like the hospital's medicine as much, but I like cardiology and that sounds really cool. You know, mm -hmm. it can tip you in or you like, you know, you talk to a vascular surgery fellow and you're like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then you think, oh, well, maybe mm -hmm. I'll go rotate on vascular surgery as a, uh, on my mm -hmm. surgery rotation. Um, so I think, you know, getting as much exposure and like you say, you really, I mean, yeah, you can see stuff your first and second years, but your third year is really like, you know, you're, you're like supposed to be there. You're supposed to show up like, and that's like your mm -hmm. real exposure, I think. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. You want to get your money's worth. And, um, you know, especially in internal medicine, you, you know, I, I liken it to being a quarterback, you know, you are really, you know, front and center and, and really coordinating everyone's care. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, you have multiple consultants on your, on uh, some of your cases, um, you know, and you're, you're really getting in the weeds and, and really, um, you know, making sure that all of the patient's needs are taken care of. And it's a great way to get exposure to the vast number of specialties in the hospital. Um, so, you know, as a medical student, uh, when you're on your IM rotation in particular, I think it's an important um, objective to try to uh, really, like you said, Max, get as much exposure as you can, because we, I am ultimately interacts with everybody in the hospital. There's not one department that I can think of that I am really doesn't, um, interact with on a daily basis. Absolutely. I would, uh, echo that as well. Um, yeah. And I think, and I think just to touch on that, you know, some of the, you know, I don't want to feel like we're picking on internal medicine because those, those documentation mm -hmm. things, that's true. I mean, surgeons have to write progress notes. They're very mm -hmm. short compared to internal medicine, but nevertheless, mm -hmm. they still have to do it. Um, they have to write operative notes. They have to write, you know, if they're the primary on a team, they'll have to write the discharge summary, things like that. So mm -hmm. I think the doc and then radiology, you know, we're dictating reports all day long and obviously interventional mm -hmm. we're the same thing. It's like surgery. We're doing, you know, procedure notes and things like that. Um, so I think again, like paying attention to the negatives of uh, the positives and negatives, of everything you mm -hmm. rotate on. So I, yep. I, I think given that, so what, what made you, you know, kind of, and I know you didn't take, make this decision lightly. Cause I remember you talking to me about it when you're going through it, like what made you decide to switch from internal medicine to anesthesia? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's the, uh, the million dollar question, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, in medical school, um, like I sort of touched on earlier, you really have, um, a short window um, that you're given to make a, a uh, critical decision about the specialty that you're going to choose. 
Um, so in you're kind of restricted at times as to what electives that you can ultimately decide on, on picking. And so, you know, everybody has to do PEDS, OB, internal medicine, general surgery, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but that leaves a, a large segment of other specialties that, you know, we oftentimes don't get exposed to, you know, the radiologies of the world, anesthesia, uh, orthopedic surgery, um, you know, things like that. So, um, you know, at our medical school, we were given the opportunity to choose some electives. And uh, at that time, I actually did want to choose uh, an anesthesia elective. Uh, but unfortunately, it, uh, it was at capacity. Um, oh, so man. I was I was not able to do that. So I just uh, took it as a sign that maybe anesthesia wasn't for me. And, uh, you know, it, back then, I wasn't even thinking that anesthesia was something that I'd be interested in. I just wanted to check it out. Sure. You know, it wasn't really on my radar. Um, and I had pretty much at that time decided that I wanted to do internal medicine. Um, so, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I'm, uh, you know, uh, a first year um, internal medicine resident. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm responding to some cold blues with my senior resident. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, during an adult cold blue, you know, obviously the patient uh, is unresponsive. They don't, uh, you know, have... Um, they're not breathing, their, their heart's not pumping. Um, so an airway needs to be secured. And at our institution, the airway was the primary responsibility of anesthesia. Mm -hmm. So um, I didn't know that at the time, uh, you know, as a young intern. So, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, the anesthesia team would walk in um, and, you know, with supreme confidence, they would secure the airway. And I was like, who are these girls and gals? I want to, to know more about what they're doing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I also had some friends that were um, preliminary residents, just like yourself, Max, and uh, that were ultimately going to go into anesthesia. And uh, I started questioning um, what made them choose anesthesia. And um, they just, you know, would, would echo that it was a really hands-on specialty and and um, you really felt like you were in control and taking care of the patient. Um, so, you know, it really piqued my interest. Um, and uh, so I started asking more questions, started emailing mm -hmm. some attendings. And uh, ultimately during my second year of internal medicine residency, I uh, shot out a bunch of emails to uh, attendings at my hospital and attendings at some hospitals um, across the city. And uh, most of them did not even respond, um, but, there, but there was one or two that did. And I ultimately um, was able to arrange for an elective during my second year of internal medicine residency. So, uh, you know, I did this elective and again, it was like maybe a week at most um, for a couple hours out of the day. But uh, I, I felt like it was my calling. As cliche as it sounds, I felt like, wow, this is so much different than what I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. I really enjoyed being an internal medicine resident. Um, but, you know, at times it felt like I was enjoying um, my responsibilities as, um, you know, as a guy that was just shadowing in the OR. Mm -hmm. uh, some, some cases, I, I felt like I enjoyed that a little bit more. 
Sure. So I, I came to the critical decision point and I was like, man, like, am I going to really switch specialties? Yeah. You know? And so, so, um, you know, I, I talked to one of my advisors, um, Dr. Hanrahan, who, uh, you know, really helped me get through this decision. And, and, uh, she told me that Harry, you know, you won't be the first and you won't be the last person to, to switch specialties. If you ultimately think you'll be happier, um, going into anesthesia, um, she, she highly advised and recommended it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my concern was, I don't want to leave my internal medicine class. I don't want to leave them high and dry. Sure. You know, because I, I do really enjoy internal medicine. Um, and uh, I enjoy my colleagues. I enjoy the, the faculty. I enjoy the hospital. So, um, you know, I, I, I was really at a crossroads. Um, but I ultimately decided to um, stick it through with, with internal medicine. And I, I really think that, that was probably the best decision that I had made um, because I, I wanted to finish what I had started. Sure. And, sure. Um, you know, although, you know, a lot of days were hard waking up and coming to the hospital, um, you know, I felt like it was my responsibility to complete my, my, uh, my internal medicine residency. And uh, ultimately, uh, when I did decide to switch to anesthesia on the interview trail, um, people were very impressed with that decision. Mm -hmm. And I was made aware of uh, some people that, uh, you know, were on my same path, but uh, left the, their residency program, tried to apply to another specialty and uh, didn't match. Oh, and wow. then, yeah, and then would, you know, they tried to go back to the program that they quit. And, um, you know, they were sort of out of luck at that point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's something I, I didn't want to happen to me. So that was another reason why I stuck it through. Yeah, for sure. I, I think mm -hmm. you, I remember you saying this, that it just looks better, you know, for one thing, just it's, it's, you know, a better thing to do to your program and then kind of finishing it out. Cause it, what, I think what mm -hmm. a med student may not realize is when a resident leaves, it actually puts a lot of strain on a program. You know, there's the call schedule right. has to, you know, basically other residents have to pick up more call you know, it shifts the rotations mm -hmm. schedules around for certain people. Um, cause you're essentially, it's like a team you're down, you know, you're down mm -hmm. a team member. Uh, and so I think, um, no, I think, you, you know, you were smart to stick it out. And, uh, I'm sure that looked when you went to interview, I'm sure that looked more favorably was more looked favorably upon that you had stayed and, and finished it. Like you said, finish what you started. Um, and now, I mean, now you'll be boarded in two different specialties would be pretty cool, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, uh, on the interview trail, uh, I'd say about 70, 30, um, you know, uh, a lot of the faculty that I interviewed with at these anesthesia programs, uh, you know, liked the fact that I had finished, um, or was on the road to finish my internal medicine residency. Mm -hmm. And then about 30% of people that I ran into, um, you know, were a little bit more skeptical. Um, and because I think the thinking was anesthesia is one of those uh, fields where a lot of people um, ultimately fall back on it after going into one specialty, not liking it, mm -hmm. and then uh, falling back on anesthesia. So um, I feel like the faculty that were skeptical 
um, wanted to make sure I was doing it for the right reasons. Sure. And, um, you know, that was a question that um, was harped on a lot during the interview trail. Sure. And I know this, but just so people listening, you you applied during your third year of internal medicine residency. And then you, you mashed that spring, like literally a couple months before you graduated. And then now, you know, this you're doing because, you know, just like radiology or dermatology, you match a year ahead. You did like an advanced program. So you matched a year ahead, right? Essentially, correct? That's correct. That's correct. So anesthesia is a four-year uh, residency with the first year being a preliminary year or a transitional year. Um, and there are some categorical uh, programs that are four years, but for all intents and purposes, it's four years. Um, and because I had uh, completed at that time that I matched, I was on the road to complete a three-year internal medicine residency. It really didn't make sense to to repeat um, that first of four years in anesthesia. <laughs> yeah, that would that would you not know, be so. cool. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, it would be pretty easy. I think it'd be a piece of cake, but um, you know, it just didn't make sense to redo that. And right. uh, most places that I interviewed at agreed. Sure. Um, so I was uh, fortunate enough to um, match into an advanced program that started a year after I graduated from my internal medicine residency which allowed me a year uh, essentially to uh, work as an attending in internal medicine before I start my anesthesia training. Sure. And uh, I just, I'm sure people are curious, why not, I guess maybe it was just a, some, a timing thing where like, you know, putting everything together to apply and maybe coming to your final decision. But I'm sure some people may be wondering why not just go to anesthesia residency right after you finish medicine residency? Why take that gap year in between? Yeah, so there were a couple of reasons I did that. Um, so number one, um, I wanted to actually experience what it was like to be an internal medicine attending. I wanted to work as a hospitalist um, and, and see what it was like. Um, you know, and that allowed me to also, you know, make a salary for a year. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like a lot of our, our fellow um, friends that are in medicine, we have some loans to pay. So, yes. you know, it was an opportunity <laughs> to make an attending salary and, um, you know, pay down some of those loans. Um, now, there were some uh, spots that it, across the country in anesthesia programs that uh, were left unfilled. And that would allow you to um, basically match right into those spots and, and start anesthesia, um, right after completing, um, my internal medicine. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately those spots are very few and, uh, they're very competitive to get into. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I just didn't match into one of those spots. Mm -hmm. So, um, but yeah, I, I think ultimately, um, if you feel like you want to switch into another specialty, whether that happens right after you complete your training, whether that happens, um, if, if that means you have to discontinue your training halfway through, mm -hmm. um, at the end of the day, no one's going to fault you. You have to do what's best for you. Um, but I always caution people that are considering this to, you know, not make a permanent decision on temporary feelings. 
mm-hmm. because their residency is tough. You know, some days are tougher than others. And, um, you know, I think uh, it's more common than not to feel like you hate what you're doing. <laughs> you know, if you, if you don't feel like you hate what you're doing, you're, you're probably not working hard enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially um, first you year, know? yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, um, you know, I really caution people that are considering it to uh, really have as many conversations with your advisors, with uh, your co-residents, conversations with yourself. Sleep on the decision. You know, this wasn't something I came to overnight um, because uh, it's a big decision. And, uh, you know, it seems like the grass is always green on the other side. Sure. Um, but that, that may not necessarily be the truth. So. No, and I think you hit on two big points. This is, you know, whether you're a med student making this decision up out, the, out of the get-go or you're a current resident thinking of making a switch, and we'll talk a little bit more about that a little bit later mm-hmm. on. But um, I think it's not a decision to be made lightly. And, you know, people don't realize, like, I think sometimes people just get frustrated and they're like, I just want, like, especially if they're a third year, it's coming to the end of third year. They don't really know. And they just kind of pick something and go with it. Or they kind of go with what's the trendy specialty at the time or, you know, what's the most prestigious or what's going to make the most money. And they don't really think it through. And I think, you know, this is what you're going to do for the rest of your career. It's not like, Mm -hmm. you know, it can be done. Obviously as a resident, you can definitely switch, but as when you get to the attending Mm -hmm. level, I mean, some people still do go back, but it just gets the farther and further along. And, you know, I don't have to tell you this, you know, the harder it gets to switch. Um, You know, you fortunately found out very early in your training that, you know, you wanted to make Mm -hmm. a switch and you were able to do it, but it's much harder, you know, and, you know, life happens, you know, you married and have kids or other responsibilities. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think those can preclude you as well from, you know, potentially making a switch as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's, and I think something you, both of these instances you talked about that I am a firm believer in is you got to talk to people. You got, I I remember talking Mm -hmm. to people in all kinds of specialties, whether they like about Mm -hmm. it, what they don't like about it, people at different Mm -hmm. levels. I think sending emails out, like you said, some people are going to blow you off and some people aren't. Mm -hmm. A lot of people, you'll find a lot of people love to talk about what they do, especially attending, especially Mm -hmm. residents. I mean, look at us. We're just, this is just flowing. I mean, we're just talking about what we do yeah. I mean, a lot. Of, I mean, and because the thing is medicine, it's different like than other, than other nine to five jobs. I mean, this is, we dedicate such a huge part of our lives that like, and theoretically mm-hmm. most people do it because they're very passionate about it. And so people like to talk about it. And a lot of times mm-hmm. you'll find more people want to talk about it and won't shut up about it than people <laughs> who will just blow you off. Um, That's so, right. And so I think definitely, you know, definitely reach out to, you know, as many people as you can to, to kind of get their perspective, their experience and talk to different people. I think in this, let's say you're really thinking about doing like, you know, neurosurgery or something like that. You know, you don't want to just talk mm-hmm. to one person. Cause if you talk to like an intern, that's a neurosurgery intern, mm-hmm. you're going to get a very different mm-hmm. perspective from someone who's a senior resident or an attending, you know, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, you're going to get different perspectives from different levels of training and just different personalities mm-hmm. as well. Um, so that's right. That would be my biggest advice as well. Kind of echoing what you said. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. To echo what you were saying, um, you know, don't let anyone make you feel bad for wanting to switch. If that's something you feel strongly about. Um, a lot of people, um, you know, agreed with my, uh, my decision. And a lot of people didn't, 
you know, there are a lot of people that were, that were questioning um, what would compel me to do something so crazy, you know, especially <laughs> um, being halfway through my residency at that point. Um, but to be honest, it's, it's more common than you think. I mean, uh, I think I read something like uh, 20% of residents across all fields end up switching their specialty mm-hmm. um, within residency. And then if you take it a step further, about 16% of attendings switch their, their specialty as an attending. So, um, you know, this is, is not uncommon um, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but it's, like I said, a decision that shouldn't be taken lightly. Yeah, and I, I think what's given us interesting perspective, you know, we is doing the interview trail for anesthesia and radiology. You see it yet in those two specialties a lot. You see, I saw a lot of people that were switching out of general surgery, internal medicine, and even ER. There was someone that was similar to you. She was a, she was graduating ER residency. And I think she mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, I don't, I forget where she, ended. I just met her at one interview, but I remember, I just remember it because it was so similar to your situation where she wasn't sure if she was going to work for a year as an EM attending or if she was going to be able to get a slot mm-hmm. and just go right in. Um, so it's the mm-hmm. same kind of thing. Um, and it does happen sometimes where people switch out of radiology and anesthesia. It's, it's much more rare, but I, I think here at Emory, mm-hmm. we had someone switch out a couple of years ago, actually did the reverse, went to internal medicine, which is far mm-hmm. less common. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess whatever floats your boat. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, so I think it, it's much more common than you think. Um, and mm-hmm. I think that's okay. I mean, it's like we said, this is a very important decision. This is what you're going to get up and do every day for the rest of your life. And Mm-hmm. You know, if you feel like it's not, it's not what you want to be doing, then, you know, I think you got to do a lot of self-reflection like you did. And I think for mm-hmm. people, you also see a lot of people switch out of like surgery, things like that. And surgery, I think is one where it can be harder to finish. You know, it's one of those, mm-hmm. if you're a PGY five, obviously you can stick it out another year and finish. But I think mm-hmm. it's one of those where that one may be where it's a little bit, but I tell you in radiology, I tell you what you, you saw a lot of in radiology was a lot of people switch out of surgery and then do IR. Mm-hmm. Remember there were guys that had done, you know, a year or two, even three years of general surgery or some other or neurosurgery or orthopedics. And then they switched out and did radiology, but they still had that mm-hmm. urge to do procedures and be hands-on and they've got that with interventional radiology. And so they still did that. And I was kind of a similar personality or similar situation. I didn't do a surgical residency, but I came into med school very sure I wanted to do mm-hmm. surgery or very interested. I knew I wanted to work with my hands. I loved anatomy, mm-hmm. um, kind of the mm-hmm. impetus for creating Da Vinci Academy and, and creating the, the anatomy sure. resource. And, um, but I found, you know, surgery, there's surgery is a tough life. It's a very, very, it's mm-hmm. a lot of long hours, especially general surgery. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I think what, one thing that was, with me was it was hard to find a surgery like because surgery has become for good reason so specialized that like you know mm-hmm. there's neuro there's ortho there's ent and it's you know one of those where like you got you got to become an expert in one of those areas and i don't know i just like variety and interventional radiology it allows me to you know it allow me to do you know procedures on the vascular system be involved in cancer mm-hmm. treatment be involved in um you know, doing things as simple as biopsies all the way to as complex mm-hmm. as tips, procedures, and other things like that. Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I think while at the same time, interventional radiologists, I think are a little more conscious because they have that radiology training where they too try to find a little bit more of a balance in their, in their schedules. Sure. They don't, um, they don't, it's not as 
demanding as a, as a surgical uh, residency. And why, why that difference is, I don't know if I have a good answer to that. I think maybe some of it's just the culture of radiology versus, sure. versus surgery. Um, I don't, and yeah. I don't mean that in a positive or a negative way. I think that's just kind of the way it is. Um, mm-hmm. but I think the, the answer to that, but yeah, I think that's kind of how I ended up kind of going from a surgical mindset into a, into a radiology uh, mindset. Cause in radiology, you still use a lot of anatomy. You, you know, mm-hmm. you're using imaging surgery uses a lot of imaging as well. Um, so it's internal medicine, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. I liked using imaging anatomy and then obviously being very hands-on and, and I liked, you know, I don't, I didn't like medicine. I didn't like being responsible for every single thing. I liked being able to just kind of focus on the procedure, one aspect of the patient's care, and then kind mm-hmm. of moving through more patients, if that makes sense. Sure. Sure. No, that absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Um, so one thing that, uh, you know, I, I like to tell medical students and even uh, some residents is that, uh, you know, as hard as it may be, try not to choose a specialty based on salary. <laughs> um, you know, we all want to make the big bucks. We all want to, you know, drive a fancy car. Um, but uh, don't let that be the reason why you choose a specialty. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you hate it at the end of the day, it's going to be hard getting up to go do it, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, you know, when you, when you Google search how much a certain field pays, you know, you, you get all sorts of different figures, but you have to remember that uh, these figures that are being quoted are, are oftentimes averages, mm-hmm. you know? So, you know, if you're in a higher paying specialty, you know, like orthopedic surgery, neurosurgery, radiology, anesthesiology, um, you know, those are averages. And on, you know, at the same token, you know, if you're doing primary care, pediatrics, um, you know, some of the specialties that are classically have lower salaries, again, those are still averages. So, you know, there are people that make way above the figures that you're seeing and people that make way below the figures that you're seeing. Um, you know, and, and, you know, to expand on that, I, th- I think um, uh, exploring um, each specialty with regards to the, the setting that you're practicing in is, is important. So, you know, if you're, you're going to work in the academic setting versus the private practice setting, you know, salaries sort of vary based on that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, one thing I, I tell residents and, and uh, medical students is, is definitely do not um, try not to be influenced by salary potential. Yeah, I th- I think in going off that, I think that's an excellent point. I think it's salary. Mm-hmm. I think another big thing that people get caught up in is prestige. I think another good thing mm-hmm. that people another thing that people get caught up in is, you know, oh, what's the most competitive thing? I mean, you, you should. I mm-hmm. guess in the short answer is you should not do something like dermatology, because you think it's mm-hmm. the most competitive thing and you're going to impress a bunch of people. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, as my grand as my grandmother used to say when it comes to both positive and bad news about yourself, you know, whether it's a good thing about yourself or a bad thing that happened to you, people are going to react to it. And then they're going to forget about it five minutes later and they're going to go on with their lives. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you match dermatology, yeah, you're going to impress a bunch of people, but at the same time, five minutes later, they're going to go on with their lives and you're going to be stuck doing that. Now, I mean, look, dermatologists Mm -hmm. have the worst thing to get stuck with. I mean, at least hours wise Mm -hmm. financially, but if you hate looking at skin lesions or, you know, 
hate do, treating you know skin lesions all day then what's the point you know so I think getting, I think a lot of students get really caught up in that or like IR has gotten really popular. And I think, you know, look, it's a great specialty. I mean, um, but at the same time, I think I would caution people that, you know, diagnostics a great field too. And the thing is, as far as you talk about pay, what people don't realize is, is especially in private practice, you can make pretty much the same amount of money as a diagnostic rate. You don't really make that much more money mm-hmm. as an interventionalist versus diagnostic. Mm-hmm the people who really do interventionals because they really love procedures. They really, they don't want to just do mm-hmm. diagnostic work. They love getting, you know, using their hands and doing working. If all you care about is just making as much money as possible mm-hmm. in radiology, at least is you should just be, you know, the senior work your way up to being the senior partner of a big diagnostic practice. And you can get the best of mm-hmm. all the worlds. You know, you have a lot of vacation you can make a hell of a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think, and I think that's just one example, um, that kind of harps on what mm-hmm. you're talking about, like the differences in job types and, and settings and things like that. But yeah, I think, mm-hmm. um, I think that's just something I see a lot of students get caught up in, or they get caught up in the thought of, and I I'll admit, I got caught up in this being a surgeon. You know, I think you'll that's see, right. pe- you'll see people that, you know, they don't want to do, or they, maybe they don't like ortho or they don't like neurosurgery or, you know, or God forbid they don't match or something like that. And they're not, they're kind of left in either, any of those scenarios where like, what do I do? You know, do I do general surgery? Mm -hmm. I still get to be a surgeon, but do you really like general surgery? I mean, general surgery is a hard field. You know, you got to make sure, you know, the people that are really good general surgeons, they love doing that. You know, they don't, Mm -hmm. they they tolerate the hours and, Mm -hmm. you know, in the end of the day, they like what they're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. So you got to, and if you don't like what you're doing, general surgery is a very, very hard you know, it's a very hard field, um, that's whether right. you like it or not. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that's another thing that I kind of let go of. And, you know, yes, as an interventional radiologist, no, you're not a surgeon, but you're still very respected. You do a lot of procedures. Same thing, interventional cardiologists. Mm-hmm. They're not surgeons, but mm-hmm. they do some of the most complex mm-hmm. and really literally life-saving procedures in the hospital. Anesthesia does that's a right. lot of, you know, innovative procedures, like you said, like in that code blue, I mean, they innovated some, but, you know, mm-hmm. innovations, mm-hmm. you know, in the, mm-hmm. and in the ICU setting as well. And then off mm-hmm. of anesthesia, even as there's, you know, there's pain management where you're doing a lot of cutting edge type procedures, like epidural injections mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So there's, there's just a lot more out there that I think than people realize. So I think back to, again, just to repeat what we're saying is, is really exploring what's really out there and, and, and not getting so mm-hmm. hung up on, you know, how much money am I making? Or is this the most prestigious right. thing? You know, is this the most competitive mm-hmm. thing? So mm-hmm. absolutely. Great. Um, so I think I'm just looking at our, quite my questions here that we were talking about earlier. Um, so I guess like if let's say for someone who's starting their third year out, what, what, what should we say? Like, I think we've kind of answered this a little bit, but like, what's, what should be their process? Let's say they're just trying to survive their first rotation right now. I think what, mm-hmm. what's like, you know, obviously we said like pay attention to what the, you know, people are doing, talk to people, I guess, is there anything else someone like in that position should be doing that you think? Yeah. Um, I would say try to um, envision yourself um, doing whatever rotation that you're on. Try to envision yourself doing that for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I remember being a third year and, and going into, uh, certain rotations and knowing right off the bat that I didn't want to do that. 
you know, let's, for example, let's say pediatrics. I knew I didn't want to work with children. Um, but, uh, I tried to make it a point to help like envision myself doing that. And, and, um, you know, so I think if you're stuck in a position where, um, you're sort of unclear what you want to do, I think that's a good way to, uh, really, um, tease out whether or not that's something you can see yourself doing for the rest of your life. Um, you know, being a third year is tough. Um, you're, you're going to do a lot of things that you don't like to do. Um, but, uh, having those conversations, um, really getting immersed, um, going in early, leaving late. I think those things will really, um, give yourself the best chance at analyzing whether or not you feel like you can pursue said career, um, for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's true. I think also paying attention to the, I think each field you hear this a lot has its own personality or attracts its own mm -hmm. personality. Obviously there's wide varieties, you know, and I don't mean just generalizations like, you know, arrogant, there's arrogant physicians in every, you know, there's, there's family practice physicians that are very arrogant, you know? And then, I mean, one of the coolest attendings I ever worked with was a neurosurgeon. I mean, cause usually they think they're, so I think, but I think that being said, every specialty, like we've kind of talked about has its own speed. I mean, you look at like emergency medicine, if you don't, if you're not into like adrenaline, you know, those guys like the adrenaline rush, they like things moving fast pace. They like thinking on their feet. If you're one of those mm -hmm. versus like internal medicine is a very different, you know, you have a little more time to process. Obviously you do have situations where you do have to think on your feet, but it's not as like mm -hmm. all the time as, as emergency medicine. So I think kind of figuring out what your, what your speed is, what your personality is. Do you like fast pace? Do you like short pace, mm -hmm. you know, or slower pace, things like that. Um, and again, pick, really picture yourself doing this for the rest of your life. I mean, for mm -hmm. me, that was one thing with, you know, surgery, you know, I was really interested in fields as, you know, such as like orthopedics, neurosurgery, surgical oncology. I just didn't want to be getting called in for this kind of stuff. You know, I, I was mm -hmm. not a big fan of like some of the trauma stuff. Like, I think it's cool. I respect that. But I think at the same time, it was to me, at least it was some of the more le the less interesting things versus some of the other procedures that, that those fields did uh, versus interventional. I think the emergencies are very cool. I mean, embolizations and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, and again, the interventional mindset's a little bit more, you know, it's a little bit slower of speed or not slower of speed, but it's a little bit more of, I guess, a lifestyle friendly uh, speed, which, you know, it's, it, mm -hmm. it allows you to, we are not on, if you're in a big enough group, you're not on call all the time. And I think the stuff you, mm -hmm. you do get called in most interventional radiologists, they like that kind of stuff. They like mm -hmm. those, uh, those type of procedures that they get called in for. Um, and so that was again, kind of contributing to my, to my switch as well. Um, and, and things to think sure. about, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's almost the diagnostic versus interventional route as well. You know, interventional is a little more like surgery, fast pace versus diagnostic, kind of a little bit more like internal medicine. You got, you know, you sit there with your coffee and you kind of, you know, <laughs> think about things a little bit. I mean, obviously you don't want to be too mm -hmm. slow, but like, it's the same kind of mm -hmm. thing. Um, you know, and I think you made a good point. Do you like working with kids? Do you like, I remember, mm -hmm. I remember one of the female co-residents made a funny, a funny thing to one of the med students who was, it was a female med student thinking about going into peds you don't have to go into peds just because you're like kids you can have kids i thought it was kind of funny um that's but, right which is interesting and i guess as, you know as guys we can have kids too you know in a different way but um mm -hmm. but uh, yeah yeah 
but yeah, I think, you know, do you like, I think from kids is there's, you know, there's a lot more involved there. There's, you know, the parent situation, there's, you know, that is, I think the fact that it's a child makes, I think can make it a little bit more, turn the pressure a little bit more up, you know, versus that, you know, obviously every life is equal, but you know, it's a lot harder to lose like a 10 year old kid than it is like a 95 year old who's lived a full life. So I think that's right. Those, those types of situations, um, you know, are, are, are you into that or, you know, which mm-hmm. type of patient population do you want to work with? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, to add on to that, I think, uh, the clinical setting that you ultimately be working in is also important to explore. Um, you know, do you like being in the clinic? Do you not like being in the clinic? Mm-hmm. Do you like working in the hospital setting? Do you like work, working in the private practice setting? So I think that's oftentimes, um, overlooked, you know, when you're a medical student, um, but uh, they're all things that eventually, once you get to the resident level, once you get to the attending level, um, will have to be looked closely at. Yeah. And I think I think as you go through your third year, another thing to pay attention to is, do you find yourself thinking about it when you go home at night? Like, I remember, mm-hmm. like, OB-GYN, I, it was, a, you know, I have a lot of respect for what they did, you know, or what they do, what mm-hmm. they do as a specialty. It's obviously, you know, all of us are came into this world in this day and age because of an OB-GYN. <laughs> But it just was not for me. And so I didn't find myself thinking about it. when I went home, I checked out and, you know, didn't mm-hmm. think as much about I obviously studied for the shelf, but otherwise I didn't think much. But like with other specialties that I was interested in, um, mm-hmm. you know, like I would read about it, you know, like when I was, you know, when mm-hmm. I would read about it at home, I would read about the, the case that we had done that day or the case that was going to come up the next day. Um, if you find yourself going that without even really making yourself go that extra mile, just because you're curious, you're interested. I think those are all positive mm-hmm. signs. You know, if you're, you know, if you find yourself looking into a, a certain type of disease you saw that day or a presentation you saw, you know, if you're, if you're attending asks you to teach about something the next day and you're actually are excited about it, you're not looking at like, oh shit, mm-hmm. this is like one more thing I got to do. But if you look mm-hmm. at it instead, if you're looking at it instead, like, wow, I'm really excited to learn about this, teach the team about it the next day. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think those are all really positive signs you should pay attention to. Um, that maybe, yeah. maybe this, maybe this is for you. Maybe this is what you really like doing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I think, um, analyzing the types of people, the types of people that, uh, you know, you're working with while you're on the rotation is also important. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're getting along with the residents, if, um, you know, when you have a little bit of downtime, you know, try to see if you, uh, can see yourself working with people, um, like that. Um, you know, but at the same token, I think, uh, if you don't get along with a certain attending, if you don't get along with a certain resident, don't let that discourage you either from pursuing a, uh, a certain specialty, um, because in every field that you pursue, you know, there are going to be people you like and don't like, and that's just the reality of, of, um, you know, being a professional. Um, but, um, you know, when you do become a resident, you're going to be spending a lot of time with those people they will become your family whether you like them or not so uh <laughs> you know i think um you know trying to immerse yourself as a medical student uh, amongst the residents and even your your uh fellow medical students uh is a really important thing to do yeah definitely i think i think and i think yeah i think personalities i i think your mentors i think finding good mentors early on and it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be in the field like I said, one of the coolest attendings I worked with was a, was a neurosurgeon, um, in, uh-huh. in medical school at Toledo. And 
he really wanted me to do neurosurgery and, and I, neurosurgery was a field I really uh, considered seriously, but again, you know, just like the trauma aspect of it and some of the other, you know, neurosurgery is one of those fields that runs your life, even as an attending, like obviously you can get certain jobs in certain settings, but to do neurosurgery, white, right. It's gotta be a huge chunk of your life. And I wasn't sure I wanted, you know, I had other interests. I liked doing research. I liked entrepreneurship. Um, I liked, you know, obviously I, I like doing things outside the hospital as well. So I wasn't sure I wanted to commit that much of my life to just one aspect of my career. And he was okay with that. He respected that. And I think, you know, if they're a good mentor, they'll respect that, you know, a truly mm -hmm. good mentor will respect that. And I think as med students, we'll want to try to emulate our heroes or our mentors. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, it's good to be interested in a field with someone you like, but I think don't feel obligated. Even if someone's done some things to help you, you know, they wrote a letter mm -hmm. for you to get some kind of research grant or they, you know, you know, helped you get into an elective rotation or something like that or, or anything, um, or let you do a lot in the OR, or do a lot on the floor or anything like that. I think, you know, that's just them being a good mentor and being a good teacher. Um, I don't, I wouldn't necessarily feel obligated to go. Cause again, this is the rest of your life, you know, and again, kind of going when I was on earlier, you're going to make your decision. You're going to go your way. And at the end of the day, that person, they're going to go on with their life, you know, whether you're doing what they do or not, it doesn't really matter. Um, so I think remembering that, you know, you almost have to be a little bit selfish. You know, you have to think this is my life. This is what I'm going to do. And I think, um, you know, like all the things we're talking about, making sure it fits with you. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. I, a thousand percent agree. Um, it's a big decision and, uh, navigating medical school, navigating, um, choosing your specialty. Um, that's what we go into it for. Absolutely. You know, and, uh, so, so if it takes a little bit longer, if you, if you have to take a year off and, and pursue a research fellowship or, um, take a year off and, you know, shadow a little bit more, Mm -hmm. um, you know, don't be discouraged. Um, you know, I know a lot of people that, um, especially for the more competitive specialties, uh, like dermatology and such that, uh, take a year off take two years off sometimes to, mm -hmm. to really, um, you know, get involved in some, some research and, and make sure that, that, that this is a field that they really want to pursue. And if that's what it takes, um, I'm all for it. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's one year in the grand scheme of things is nothing. I mean, it's, you know, yes, mm -hmm. it's a year of your life. Yes. It's a year you could be out there making more money, but you want to make sure you only get one, you, you know, you want to make sure you do this right. I mean, obviously, like we've said, again, you can always change your mind, but it's just mm -hmm. easy. I mean, all I have to do is talk to you. It's just easier yeah, <laughs> if you, if you, if you make the decision right the first time, but again, it's, that's it's, right. it's not the end of the world. Um, I think just kind of going down the list on these last few things here, I think one thing, you know, for the M1s and M2s out there, I would say just, just be very curious. I think at that level, you know, you're learning a lot of basic science. I think pay and be pay attention. Mm -hmm. And I think this is true also when at the third and fourth year level, but I think pay attention to the physiology, the what types of pathology do you like, you know, what types of subjects, mm -hmm. you know, do you like thinking more about like physiology and pharmacology, maybe anesthesia is for you. Do you like thinking more about mm -hmm. anatomy, you know, and pathology, maybe radiology or surgery is more your speed. Um, and those types of mm -hmm. things, I think thinking about, mm -hmm. the, uh, thinking about that as well. And I think just, just getting in there and shadowing them and using that summer off. I remember I went out on Christmas mm -hmm. break sometimes and shadowed, like, even if it was just a day mm -hmm. or two, just to check something out, 
Um, Mm -hmm. as you'll see, you're busy studying and you just don't always have the time. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else you think of that for first and second year to do, but I think those are just getting exposure. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. I, I would say to keep an open mind. Um, you know, a lot of people come into medical school thinking that they don't want to do X, Y, and Z and, um, you just never know. So I think, uh, you know, you, it would really benefit you the most if you, um, went into every, um, subject, every block, um, just wanting to glean and, uh, understand what you're learning, uh, for the sake of learning. I mean, we're all in medical school because we we're nerds and we love to learn. <laughs> so, um, you know, I think that'll go a long way if you just try to absorb as much as possible so that when you, you know, get to the third year level, um, you can really appreciate all of the specialties for what they are. Um, but yeah, I think, um, you know, asking questions, um, will really make a big difference. You know, if if that means emailing attendings, emailing faculty members, uh, emailing, um, you know, uh, medical students that are your seniors, you know, um, so M3s, M4s that are currently uh, going through rotations. Um, just try to get as many perspectives as possible because, um, uh, you know, figuring out this, this uh, journey will be made a lot easier um, uh, by people that you're talking to and getting information from people that have already been through it. Absolutely. I think, and I think talking to people, that's just like we're saying as third mm-hmm. years, I think that's important even as M1s and M2s um, mm-hmm. as well. And just a little plug for us out there. If you are an M1 or M2 out there, um, Da Vinci Academy, we provide a great anatomy video course out there. We provide a uh, biochemistry video course as well. And then recently we actually have just produced uh, as of this fall, a histology course as well with, in collaboration with the University of Colorado School of Medicine. We actually collaborated with the, the course director for histology there, uh, Dr. Lisa Lee. And we put together a really great resource for histology because we felt like there was not one go-to source for that uh, as well. So that has videos, that has practice questions, it has lab videos that teach you how to analyze histology slides. Um, and they're a nice complement to our anatomy, which goes through all of gross anatomy, has some radiology anatomy in there as well. And then obviously our biochemistry. So you can find that on our website. The link is in the, the description, www.dbiacademy.com. Um, and we have mm-hmm. books available as well. So I just thought I'd plug that out there. Um, I guess kind of going, just to kind of finish this out, and I think you talked about a lot of this, you know, if if someone is a resident right now, you know, kind of switching gears, if someone is a resident right now and they're not sure but they made the right call, you know, they're thinking about switching, kind of the same position you were in. I guess what's, how do they go about exploring that? How do they go about, um, you know, if they are going to make a switch, you know, because they're, because as, as a resident, you know, you, your program kind of owns you in a way, you don't want to ruffle too many mm-hmm. feathers. You want to be mm-hmm. careful about, you know, saying things. So I think people may be consider thinking about that as well. I guess what's, your advice for that on it, like how to explore that? Yeah. So I think uh, first things first, um, start shooting people some emails. If you feel like um, you want to explore a different specialty, start with your, your home institution and, um, you know, just go onto the website and, 
and uh, honestly, look at the faculty, find their emails, and let them know that you're, you know, a resident in um, the department of X, Y, and Z, and that you're uh, potentially interested in pursuing um, a different field. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a good place to start. Uh, secondly, um, I would go to your mentors and most importantly, your program director. Um, if you are having any doubts about, um, your experience in residency, your program director is your number one advocate. And I just remember going to my program director when I had feelings about wanting to, uh, transition to another specialty. Uh, he was in full support of, of that decision and wanted to get down to the bottom of why I was feeling that way. But, uh, you know, didn't criticize, didn't overanalyze, just wanted to do anything in his power to uh, help me make that jump. Um, so, you know, it, it seems like a daunting task to sort of tell your program director, the person that chose you to, to uh, come to your residency program, it seems like uh, difficult to let them know that you no longer want to be there, but you'd be surprised how uh, well received it will be. Um, and then uh, lastly, you know, I would, uh, um, you know, start making connections with um, uh, some of the residents uh, in the program that you're trying to uh, go into or the, or the specialty, just to also get a sense of what their lives are like. Because like I said earlier, the grass is always greener on the other side. And, um, you know, you may feel like uh, you're encountering all the problems under the sun in your chosen field of specialty. Um, but, uh, you know, all these specialties have their problems too. And you may end up creating one set of problems for another. So I think it's important to get a good a grasp of what it's like to be a resident in uh, the specialty that you're thinking about switching to. Definitely, definitely. There's no perfect... There's no, it's not perfect all the time, no matter what you go into. I think that's a very good point. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. And then I guess kind of ta- to finish this out, any general advice for the application process for someone, let's say they've made that decision, they're going to switch, they're applying mm-hmm. to whatever, what anything for their application or, or the interview process? I mean, just even general, general, general advice you have after going through that. Yeah. Um, so I think wanting to make the switch to another specialty um, is is great, but uh, you don't stop there um, because these um, residency programs are going to want to know with good authority why they feel like uh, you should be picked, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, get involved in research, um, you know, get um, some shadowing experience, um, one thing that I was really worried about when I was applying um, to anesthesia was if I needed anesthesia specific letters of recommendation. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I got mixed reviews on that. Some people were like, 100% need these letters. How are people going to um, know that you're interested in anesthesia if you never, you know, worked with an anesthesiologist and got a letter from them? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's not necessarily true. Um, I actually went into anesthesia uh, without letters of recommendation from an anesthesiologist. Wow. Um, and 
um, was still matched. Um, I think for letters of recommendation, it's uh, of paramount importance to get letters from uh, faculty that you work with directly. Mm -hmm. I think um, the letters that I received from attendings that I worked with uh, for multiple weeks, multiple months that knew, um, you know, the, the type of clinician that I was, the type of resident that I was, and were able to speak to my, my attributes. And that went a lot further than a letter from an anesthesiologist that I had known for a week or two. Sure. Uh, so don't feel like you need to have letters from the field that you're thinking about going into, especially when you're, um, you know, in a residency program that may not even be remotely close to the uh, specialty that you want to switch into. No, I think that, I think that's a great point. Cause I'm sure that's something that people, whether they're applying out of med mm -hmm. school or they're switching is they kind of will fret over is, you know, who do I get letters from? Should I get it from the biggest name people? Mm -hmm. You know, and I think, mm -hmm. I think, you know, we'll, you know, we can go on to this is probably a discussion for another episode, but uh, I think getting letters from people who know you are the most important. You'll hear that those are the most meaningful because mm -hmm. I think people, when they read letters, they can tell, you know, if the person really knows you that well or not. Um, and whether it's just kind of, that's a, right. you know, just, they just did it to do it. So I think that's great advice. Um, mm -hmm. just to kind of close this out, I ask all the guests this, uh, what kind of stuff do you do outside of medicine? What do you, how do you keep your balance? You know, you're in attending now, so you have a little more control of your schedule, but that's obviously going to change come July here when you go to Brown for mm -hmm. anesthesia. But, uh, I guess, how do you keep your balance? I think that's something we're all trying to do in this crazy game of medicine and medical training. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm a big, uh, fitness guy. So, mm -hmm. uh, I like to, you know, go for a run whenever I can. I live in, in you know, Cleveland, Ohio right now. So the weather doesn't always permit, mm -hmm. but, um, you know, if I, if I, I can, I'd like to go, go for a jog here and there. I like to hit the gym mm -hmm. uh, a couple times a week. Um, you know, I'm also, um, you know, a huge Cleveland sports fan. So, um, you know, I like to watch, uh, whether it's the Browns or the Cavaliers or the Indians, uh, I like to watch a, uh, a sports sporting event every now and then. Nice. And then uh, it's been hard with uh, the pandemic, obviously, but I, you know, I do like to travel a bit. Nice. You know, uh, my girl, my girlfriend does uh, live on, out in the West coast. So, mm -hmm. you know, I like to go out and visit her and um, you know, just hang out with friends, um, you know, going out and, and uh, you know, uh, having conversations, having a good laugh with your friends is, uh, is pretty priceless. So I like to keep it nice and simple. Absolutely. You and me have had some, some many good laughs over the years navigating. <laughs> I'll never forget. One of the first stories I remember is you and I were in biology lab. I think the listeners may like mm -hmm. this is, and we were really pissed about the grades we got. And I don't even remember what we got, but it's so long ago, but the reports. And I think you were like, man, whoever makes these is, is just a clown, man. These, these grades are bullshit. <laughs> and then like two seconds later, the person who grades it like comes through the door and you and me just started losing it. We didn't even know each other that well then. We just started losing it. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I, uh, I can't remember how many times you and I, you know, went out to grab a slice of pizza and we're talking about how unfair, you know, grades were were being doled out or how unfair being a pre-medical student was and oh, you know 
it's just crazy to look back at that and, and, and kind of laugh, you know? Um, so for all you, all you pre-meds out there, all you, you know, medical students, um, keep going. It's, yeah. uh, it's a long road, <laughs> but, uh, you're going to make it. If, uh, us two clowns made it, you can <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. That's very true. One, one way or the other, you'll get there, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, I think we've both taken a little bit longer route, but I think that's, I think that's mm-hmm. okay. And I think becoming more common now, I think it's okay to, you know, mm-hmm. kind of take the scenic route sometimes. So awesome. Yep. Well, Harry, it's been a lot of fun having you on here, man. It's always great to talk to you. The, the world famous Dr. OD you know, as the, as the ladies <laughs> know him by. <laughs> um, and uh, always been a pleasure, man. And uh, thanks for coming on. I, I think your experiences, you know, uh, I think can provide and your input provide a lot of value for the, the listeners out there. Thank you so much, Max. Um, you know, like I said, this is an awesome resource. And, uh, you know, uh, I think what you're doing is great. So keep it up, man. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And then I guess if anyone wants to follow you out there, is there, how do they, how do they find you? Is there is Instagram or something like that? Yeah. So, um, my Instagram handle is, um, H O D eight, nine, eight. Um, so you can uh, follow me on Instagram. Um, and you know, as a new member of the department of anesthesia at Brown, um, you can also follow the Brown anesthesia page as well. I believe if you type in Brown anesthesia, you'll be able to find um, their page. So uh, give them a follow as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Check, check, check it out. All right, Harry, as always, it's been a pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate it, Dr. Cooper. Take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. More episodes are available on our website at dviacademy.com, our YouTube channel, They're also available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Also on our website, you can find our video courses for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology, and they're available as month-to-month packages. They're also available as a combo package where you can get all three courses in one. Our website also has a store where you can find our outline format textbooks for anatomy, biochemistry, and histology. All textbooks are available in paperback version and as ebooks as well. These textbooks complement our video courses and provide a nice addition to the learning experience of allowing you to focus on the learning and not having to write anything down. On our website, we also provide a free clinical cases video series called Da Vinci Cases. Da Vinci Cases aims to help you learn how to answer USMLE questions and apply concepts that you learn in our courses to answering those questions. Our cases cover a variety of topics and organ systems, and they're updated frequently with new cases. And then lastly on our website, you can find our blog, which has interesting articles that cover medical history, important figures in medicine, and innovations in medicine. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of the Da Vinci Hour, brought to you by Da Vinci Academy. Please be sure to tune in for our next episode.